For optimum sound throughout this podcast, we suggest you listen to it via headphones or through a surround sound system. This is the Dolby Buzz. We're bringing you an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at Warner Brothers' new epic action-adventure film, Sherlock Holmes, starring Robert Downey Jr. This episode, we look at how London is playing a starring role in the film. Someone I want to see. Sherlock Holmes. We catch up with producer Lionel Wigram on how London is a character in itself within the film. Sherlock Holmes is synonymous with London. It's his city. He knows every inch of it. We hear from production designer Sarah Greenwood on the variety of location work. From the house apartment to the shipyard to the slaughterhouse. Discover the advantages of shooting on location in London with producer Steve Clark Hall. You get a lot from me out on the out on the streets. It's tougher in a lot of respects. The control on the locations and all that. Plus, for all you techies out there, director Guy Ritchie talks to us about photosonic cameras. Our camera department were the first people to introduce ultra-slow motion. And if that wasn't enough, we're back at Dolby head office with more insights into the magic of Dolby and the process a soundtrack goes through. Almost all cases need to be enhanced, worked on, and that all happens in post-production. Mr Holmes, you must widen your gaze. You underestimate the gravity of coming events. You cannot have escaped from the huge media hype surrounding Warner Brothers' latest blockbuster, Sherlock Holmes. This epic action-adventure is certain to bring a whole new dimension to the character of Sherlock Holmes and his faithful partner, Dr Watson. Dolby's own sound engineers are in attendance to assure the VIP audience at the premiere experience a flawless screening. Tomorrow, at midday, the world as you know it will end. Well, there isn't any time to waste then. Back to this episode now, and we were lucky enough to be granted access to the producers and crew of this epic adventure. We started with producer Lionel Wigram and discovered there was another character to the film that people may not have expected. London was always a character, obviously, because, I mean, Sherlock Holmes is synonymous with London. It's his city. He knows every inch of it, literally. He's like, he's like well, you know, the English taxi drivers have this thing called the knowledge. They drive around on mopeds and then, well, Holmes does the same thing on foot. So he's known every, he knows every street. He knows the quickest way to get from A to B. He knows the soil and the mud. And different. He can tell you from looking at your shoes, you know, that you've been in a particular neighbourhood because of the mud and that kind of stuff. So that was a very important part of it. And obviously I grew up in London as well. So, yeah, Guy absolutely, he loves London, as do I. And the amazing part of London is that so much of the city we're in is, is Victorian and, is, and, the, and, the, and the buildings, and, and in a way, it's the beginning of the modern age in London and around the world and so there's a lot of it still left so yeah it's fantastic and you know the first underground station was was in Baker Street which of course was Holmes's place so yeah and I, I think Guy's doing a brilliant job of like, presenting it as down and dirty and and feels very authentic and isn't just just the pretty grand stuff although we have lots of that too and it is it's so beautiful this may be a hobby to you Mr Holmes but I do it for a living with such an epic film to create, how does a production designer even know where to start? We spoke with Sarah Greenwood about the variety of location work. It's everything. There is something of everything, and there's a lot of it. You know, so that we go from, you know, from the house apartment to the shipyard, you know, to the slaughterhouse. You know, we go from the Thames at night to, you know, the intimacy of somewhere like this to crypts. Massive. You know, you stop and think about it, and it's, you know, it's totally daunting. My first impression when I read the script was um, one of absolute horror. You know, it's like, this cannot be, this cannot be real. And, you know, we had 11 weeks prep. And it was like, you know, normally you, when you read scripts, there's something that's so massive. And it always gets cut. It always gets, you know, oh, no, don't worry, we won't see the whole of London lit up. But actually on this film, they want to see the whole of London lit up and more. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, how, how much bigger? You know, make it bigger, make it bigger. Um, 
you know, so it was a real challenge to achieve what we've achieved in the time that we had. It does make a considerable difference to me, having someone with me on whom I can thoroughly rely. But with such a huge, bustling city, wasn't it a challenge to film in London? Producer Steve Clark Hall was happy to explain the advantages of filming here. Well, we went for locations rather than studio because, well, to be honest, that's where we come from. That's the sort of filmmaking that we're used to. Um, and there are huge advantages in shooting certain types of material in, in on stages. But you get a lot from being out on, the, out on the streets. It's tougher in a lot of respects. The control on the locations and all that, um, particularly in a big city like London or New York, it, it's difficult. But... If you, let me give you an example. There's a scene which is um, just written in the script as, as, as um, a corridor at a prison. Um, where we actually shot it was in a, um, an area in a huge um, uh, building in London called Somerset House. And it's turned from quite a sort of small thing in the script into quite an impressive um, piece of work because of the architecture because we're able to tap into the existing architecture and build around it and build cells in an existing building Um, the work that we did at Chatham on the shipyard you could not have done in a studio, not at that scale it's just a sheer scale we're able to achieve outside, outside so I think you get the texture of the buildings and the scale from going outside about my methods before. I never complain. When do I complain about you practicing the violin at three in the morning? Or your mess? Your general lack of hygiene or the fact that you steal my clothes? And how about this for all you techies out there? A wonderful exclusive clip from director Guy Ritchie on the use of photosonic cameras. Enjoy. It's quite funny that the Phantom, which is now the digital version of what used to be the photosonics, was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was, I made lock stock. Um, we, our, our camera department were the first people to introduce... Um, ultra slow motion into um, feature film um, it was used in commercials and music videos back then but now they've got the digital version which is infinitely more efficient and uh, it's been heavily utilised in the last 10 years ultra slow motion so it sort of became redundant but the thing is it's, it's such a pertinent vehicle for what it is that we're trying to illustrate about Holmes's capacity to think which is almost autistic he can take an, an enormous amount of information and uh, process it process it in a very short period of time and that's exactly what the camera does so uh, it was a natural marriage this phantom camera um, which can slow things down to 50 times there it's real speed and uh, Holmes's deductive powers while, it, while that's taking place and that was a happy moment competition time now and we've teamed up with Acer Computers to offer you the chance to win an Acer Aspire laptop featuring Dolby Home Theatre allowing you to get a cinema style experience and surround sound from your Acer PC entry to the competition is done from our new Sherlock Holmes microsite at Dolby.com good luck now it's time to catch up with the Dolby geniuses, the real behind-the-scenes folk who create the incredible sound effects we almost take for granted. This show, we caught up with Hubert Henley, who was able to talk to us in more depth about the whole Dolby process. Talking about sound, uh, we are involved in the last process of, of the sound production when the film, the, the mix of the uh, movie, soundtrack of the movie is mixed and into surround sound, 5.1 surround sound. And we help studios and mixers to, to make it work for cinemas. And that is what we've always done over the last 25 years. You're lucky, on, and this is what happens on set, if you grab the dialogue. 
clean without any too too much background noise. So a large a large proportion of of the post production process is to clean up that dialogue track, and that's a mono track. You have several microphones, fair enough, uh, for for uh, capturing all the the artists. So they may have microphones, uh, radio mics put on them. So you have a whole lot of of selection, but that's all focused on dialogue, nothing else. Uh, usually, so you and and all the rest is done in post. What we call post production. Holmes, does your depravity know no bounds? No. Usually, the dialogue is only mixed into the center channel. Sometimes you have dialogue and left and right, but you never know when you shoot how the film is edited. Mm. So you never know from which angle somebody is speaking. He may be off screen. He may be on screen. It may be left or right. You you don't know uh, because we don't know how the, the film or the, the picture is being edited and put together. That is happening further down the lines. That gives the mixer the freedom to put the dialogue where where it needs to be. And and but, but I mean, ninety five percent of the dialogue is coming out of the center channel. If and if you listen to a film soundtrack, it's pretty easy to confirm for everybody. If you just take out a DVD and listen to it on your 5.1 home theater same thing all all the other elements what we call music and effects and talking about effects in in particular effects is everything which is like uh, footsteps cars passing by atmospheres the birds in the background whatever all that is created in post production some of it may come from production so like uh, footsteps or special effect uh, like um, sound effects like a door slam or a car crash or whatever uh, that, that some of it may be captured on on location, but that is in almost all cases needs to be enhanced, worked on, uh, improved, whatever, and that all happens in post production. Sound designers sitting down, sound editors are sitting down, and create those sound effects. Nothing is really coming f- completely from from location. In per- particular, not the the big sound effects. I mean, if you see something exploding, you would be surprised what you hear on the on the set. It's nearly nothing. It makes a little poof or whatever, but that's it. But the big blast happens in post-production. Watson, what have you done? We are involved in so far that we always uh, in studios to to make sure that uh, the, the monitoring system is aligned to the specifications we have created a good 25 years ago. All what you hear in cinemas today, the standard, the, the, the loudspeaker alignment, the levels and equalization, whatever, that has all been created when we introduced Dolby Stereo uh, back in the 1970s, 1980s. And, uh, and this is still valid. And we make sure that the mixers have the confidence that their monitoring system, their studio environment is aligned up to specs. And, and so in, in so far from, from that perspective, we are involved. We still have some, some production tools. So we have some, uh, technologies which we developed uh, a long time ago already, still in use to clean up, uh, dialogue tracks, remove the noise and, and things like that. Uh, but our, uh, primarily, primary role is to make sure that the listening environment for, for the mixers and directors to make, uh, is, is, uh, up to specs and they make the right decisions on the soundtrack. Madam, I need you to remain calm and trust me, I'm a professional. But beneath this pillow lies the key to my release. We have on, on film, we have made it possible to put that 5.1 soundtrack onto a uh, 35 mil print to begin with. That is the the, the pixels on 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 the on the side of the of the film. 
when you look at the 35 mil print, you will see the, an image area. Then you will see the analog soundtrack, which was, uh, well, there since the 1930s in different variations. But that was our first step. So we, we uh, generated or we created a standard, a way of recording uh, surround sound on the two uh, soundtracks, analog soundtracks of the movie or of the film. And this was Dolby Surround uh, that gave you left, center, right in the, across the front and this one surround channel. And then in the uh, 1990s, we came up with a with Dolby Digital, which enabled 5.1 soundtracks on the print in addition to the existing uh, uh, Monos Around uh, soundtrack. And uh, that is our invention, our technology, which is still used un un until today. And we make sure that this technology is used uh, well and it works fine. And so we follow along the process into, from, from the mixing theater into uh, the cinema to uh, help the, the best experience in theaters. And the same is true for digital cinema prints for the DCP. The same care needs to be taken. And although it's a different te technology, it's now completely digital uh, delivery uh, format, but it's still the same process. We begin with two men from a city of four and a half million souls, a genius and a gentleman. Before we go, don't forget to enter our exclusive competition to win an Acer Aspire laptop. To enter, go to Dolby.com. Good luck. You've been listening to the Dolby Buzz. Entertainment surrounds you. Shouldn't your audio insist on Dolby?